excited for that. You're dead. <laughs> oh. I think um, I think you guys recognize this, but that that's special. I mean, the the if if I could give you the resumes of everyone who's up here, uh, their backgrounds, I don't think you'd be surprised. These are some of the most gifted, gifted people. Um, I tell you, and and the great thing about them is not that they're such great musicians. They they are great musicians, but they have great hearts. There's no egos up here on stage. And that's one of the blessings that we've had at our church for such a long time, not having people with egos, people who could have egos up here, but individually they're so gifted together, they just want to worship God and they do such a fantastic job and um, so blessed to be uh, the pastor of a church where, you know, a lot of times in the music area of music and things like that, you have so much trouble. Uh, That's not the case here because of their hearts. Uh, I once heard someone say, There's the life that we learn with and the life that we live with after that. Throughout our lives, we go through transitions. We go through transformation, a process of changing and growing, of of shedding the old and, and adding the new, creating that new spirit in us. The Bible calls that sanctification. Last week we talked, uh, we said, you know, we talked about 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we talked about justification. And we said that it's easy to remember by saying, just as if I'd never sinned. Justification is that time we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life. It's a one-time event. We ask Christ to come into our lives. We are adopted into the family of God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We belong to Him. Sanctification is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process of of spiritual renewal, spiritual uh, transformation. It means to be made holy to be set apart from common use and be devoted to God. You, if you ask Christ to come into your life, were justified. All of your sins were erased. Everything you've ever done before that point were erased. And now you are in the family of God. And as you live your life, if there's a sanctification, there's an ongoing process of building holiness, developing holiness in your lives, transforming you helping you become more like God. We are sanctified through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is not something we earn. In Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 4, it says, for he chose us to be before he, for he chose for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So it's not something that we earn, but once we have it, once we have that, it's something that we should strive to make a part of every area of our lives. Once we have this gift, Every single day of our lives, with God's help, we should try to become more like Jesus Christ in every area, every day, striving to become more like Him, being set apart, being holy. It's it's one of the best things about being a follower of Jesus Christ, knowing that who I am today, I will not be tomorrow. 
I will be different a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. You cannot put a tag on a Christian and say, this Christian is like this. You don't understand. As we go through different experiences in life and God changes us and he transforms us through his Holy Spirit, the person you know as a Christian today will not be the same person a year or two years or five years from now. So many of you could probably give testimony to that in your lives. I am not the same person I was 30 years ago, five years ago, a year ago, two weeks ago. God is constantly helping me become more like Jesus Christ. So once we have this gift, we need to try each day with God's help to become more like Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12, it says, Not that I have already obtained all this, but I have already been or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Justification. Jesus took hold of me. Now I press on to become more like him each and every day. And one day it'll go from justification to sanctification to glorification because we get a glorified body in heaven and we are made completely perfect. We are made perfect. Those are important concepts to understand as you go through your Christian life because the enemy, like we talked about last week, will constantly lie to you and try to make you feel condemned, try to get you off track, try to stop you from growing based upon some things that may be happening in your life right now. But we as followers of Jesus Christ are constantly changing. We're constantly growing. It is a part of the human condition. Change is a part of the human condition. But at a certain point in life, many people think they're finished. The life that they've lived so far has just worn them down. And they really just want to give up. They want, they want to give up. For us to truly, for us to truly thrive in this life, we sometimes need to make some drastic and, and often painful changes in our lives. It's just, it's just the, way of, the way of life. In order for us to thrive, we need to constantly be making changes in our lives. And if that's the case, then we need to get rid of some old habits and thought patterns. Each one of us, we need to get rid of some of the the old patterns in our lives and those thought processes that we've had maybe since childhood. Sometimes we don't even realize it. When you go to another country, you realize how much is ingrained in you that is truly cultural or your family or your church or whatever else. You realize my thought process is really determined by those around me. And sometimes we need to change some of those thoughts, some of that thought process. Sometimes we need to see that transformation happen in our lives because only when we're freed from the, from the past and things that maybe have creeped into our lives can, can, we, can we truly take advantage of the present and the future. Only when we're freed up from those old thought processes, all those old patterns or those habits, can we truly take advantage, really live out the present and the future. Because that's what God wants. He wants us to constantly be striving to become more like Christ so we can live. We can live our lives to the fullest. We can have everything that he wants for us in this life. But we can't have that if we're holding on to things that are actually holding us back. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says this, Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch. I love that. Without yeast... As you really are for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Some of us need to rework the recipe a little bit in our lives. 
Just need to, you know, you, re, you need to rework that recipe. Some of you need to get rid of some of the old, the old self and replace it with, with something new, some new thoughts, some new ideas. You know, sometimes you can change an entire recipe and, the, and, and, and the tr- you can transform a meal by just changing one ingredient in that recipe. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was really broke and didn't, I didn't really have anything. Uh, I'll tell you about the house sometime that I lived in. It was a story unto itself. But I didn't have any money and I wanted to give Christmas presents to people. And so I thought, I'm going to bake. Because that's, a, I mean, I, I don't bake. I'll bake for people. I'll make some cookies and I'll bring them over to their houses and Merry Christmas. And, and I, I went through, I got the, the, the book out, the baking book, and started going through it. And I had everything except for one little minor ingredient. It was just a tiny bit. It didn't even, I mean, it was like one little, it wasn't even a teaspoon, it was something small. It was, it was baking soda. I thought, well, what's the difference? You don't, I mean, all that, I get a whole pot of eggs and this and that, and there's a little uh, baking soda. It's not going to make much difference. You know what I mean? Who cares? No one's going to notice if I don't put baking soda in there. Those cookies were hard as rocks. Okay, hard as rocks. A little side note here too. I once made a chicken. Uh, I made chicken stew. I don't know why I'm telling you. This came to my mind, so I'm going to say it. I was uh, I was on my own and I was doing my own cooking. And I got a crock pot. I was like, yeah. My mom got me a crock pot. So I took the chicken and I stuck them in there. Just took them out of the package and stuck them in there. Um, and then I put peas in there. And I, I figured I had some spaghetti, so I put I put some spaghetti in there. You know, I make noodles and stuff like that. And I let it cook for seven or eight hours. And I got home and I was like, where are the peas? Where, where is the spaghetti? Do you know the spaghetti and peas melt? They disappear if you cook them for seven hours. So <laughs> I didn't know that. But you can change the ingredients. You can change the, 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 the whole outlook of the meal, how it tastes, and by, by, by just changing one little thing. And also, make sure you pull the stuff out of the chicken or it fl- a little paper floats on the top. It wasn't, it wasn't kind of na- it was, <laughs> it was, it was nasty. Uh, so here's the good and I was thinking about this week too because last week we talked about we confess our sin I called you guys sinners about 90 times last week you know what I mean Uh, but you came back this week that's all right but this week I was thinking you know what some of the change that we need to make in our lives are really not sinful patterns it's not really sin in our lives sometimes it's they're not like I wouldn't say they're addictive kind of habits or or destructive so everything that sometimes we need to change in areas that are not sinful. We just need to replace the old with the new. They're just patterns and habits that we've learned over time that have been keeping us from becoming the person God created us to be. They're just often areas of our lives that we need to balance or tweak or rethink. You know, again, just kind of step back and say, you know, what are some areas of my life that I need to I need to bring some balance in my life? I need to just tweak that a little bit. I need to rethink that a little bit. And the good thing about sanctification is sanctification can help in this process of tweaking and balancing and rethinking. It can help us in our transformation, if you will. Remember, sanctification is an ongoing process. I want you to say something with me. God is changing me. Say that. God is me. <laughs> Let's do that one more time on the count of three. Okay. God is changing me. <laughs> I'm, I think. You know, the person next to you is going, God's not changing you at all. Uh, no, no God, God is changing me on the count of three. But I want you to say it. You know, I want you to say it with, with, uh, with some oomph and some power and some desire. Okay. One, two, three. God is changing. 
Now you're talking. God is saying, yeah, I hear that out there. You know, everybody asks me after the service. Sometimes I just want to go, amen, or whatever. I just want to stand. And, and I say, why don't you? Well, no one else is kind of doing it, so I figure, you know. You're all out there. You're all these, I don't, want to, I don't want to characterize us as, you know, but sometimes we just need to kind of let loose a little bit. If something really touches your heart, amen is not going to make me fall backwards and go, I lost my place. You made me lose my train of thought. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. All right? So if you want to hoot once in a while or say something, you know, it's not going to, the world will not, the building will not come down. I will not stop talking. I will not point you. I may point you out just for the fun of it, but God is changing me. I love that about being a Christian constantly. A few years ago, I came to a point in my life where I realized I needed to make some specific changes. I needed to make some, some specific changes in my own life. Life was beginning to take its toll, and I had a choice. I could remain doing the same thing in the same pattern of my life, or I could bring about some, some changes in how I do things. I, and I had, to, I had to think that through. And these weren't things that I needed to go before God and ask for forgiveness. Oh, God, please forgive me for this terrible behavior. These weren't sins that I needed to go before God and ask for his forgiveness. It, they were more... They were just adjustments that my Heavenly Father wanted me to make in my life so that I could help other people become their best. You know, some of the changes were how I lead in some areas, in, in some ways, with some people. I could maybe change my leadership style in some areas or, or how, I, how I receive things or um, um, maybe something like uh, how I interact with others or how I how I think and react in different situations. They were just different things in my life where I thought, you know, I could be more effective if, I, if God, if you would just tweak a few of these things. And it was really God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to me and saying, hey, I need to tweak a few things in your life. I need to, I need to balance you a little bit in this area. And again, it wasn't something, and if you think about your own life, it wasn't something I need to fall to my knees in Psalm 51, you know, have mercy on me, O oh God, according to your unfailing love, because, no. That was last week. This week is, you know, there are some things in our lives that we just need to change in order to help other people become their best. Now, here's the deal. You can spend, some of you say, well, that, you know, people can, you can spend the rest of your life waiting for someone else to change or to readjust to your way of thinking at work or at home or wherever else. Or you can begin to change yourself. Ask God to help you change your way of thinking or your way of interacting with certain people. It's so much easier for us to say, this is just the way God made me. Everyone should just love me the way God made me. And if you can't get along with me, then blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? There's sometimes, it's not, again, it's not a sin. It's just you're rubbing the person the wrong way the way you're presenting something. Some people respond really well to it, but everyone's different, so you can't always act the same way or interact the same way with, with people because they're just different. They, they, they receive things because of how they, what they've been through in their lives. They receive things a certain way. And sometimes you scratch your head and say, how did you get that out of this? I didn't say that. And you can do that for the next 20 years if you like and waste your time. Or you can readjust how you're presenting yourself. There is more than one right way to do things. 
A coach once told me that if you want to be an effective leader, you want to be an effective coach, you can't use the same motivational uh, you know, skills sometimes on one player as you use on another. You can, sometimes he said you can get up in some players' faces and they, they, re, they are motivated by that. But you demotivate other players. So if you have a whole team of 40 people and you have one style of leadership when you're interacting with those 40 people, you're not going to help them. You're not going to bring the best out on your whole team. Grabbing someone by the face mask or, or yelling at someone's face or cursing at them, is not, they're not going to respond to that. It just, just it, it, it kind of puts them, moves them back. They don't, they don't get motivated. They're demotivated by it. So you need to, as a leader sometimes, or as someone in the family, look at each person in your family and realize, I need to respond to them in a different way. I know it's a little bit more work, but you know, you're filled with the Spirit of God. God can help you See, God can give you wisdom and discernment, help you see where you need to change your style. Let me give you some examples. I think I've hit on this, but uh, some of you may need to rethink how you interact with your children or your spouse or someone at work. And here's the thing. Your way of parenting may have worked in your family growing up, but shock of all shocks, you're not in your family growing up anymore. You're in another family. You're in a different family. Maybe it's time to change your approach. What you're doing is not working. And you're saying, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything. I know you're not doing anything wrong, but maybe your approach is not working. Maybe what comes natural to you is not effective for your children. Deb and I had to learn that. Deb learned it first and then taught it to me. You know, some of the ways that we were responding or we were disciplining or we were, you know, interacting with our children. One time they said, you know, when when you say things like that, it makes me want to do the opposite. They were they had the ability to communicate with our kids. So they said, when you communicate that way, it makes me not want to do what you're asking me to do just out of emotion. So we thought, hmm, we could say, well, you're living in my house. You do what I said. It was good enough for my dad. It was good enough for you. You know what I mean? Or you can say, hmm, <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> or or <laughs> you, can have, you can change your way of doing things. And we all need to do that. So, because here's the deal. You're, you're trying to motivate your children to change, not exasperate them. The Bible says we can exasperate our children. How do we do that? By not adapting. By not changing, by not understanding. You need to be a student of your child and understand them so you can adapt to how they learn, how they grow. It could be that you need to change some of the activities that you're involved in in your life. You say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I didn't say, right? All we're talking about today, we're not saying you did something sinful. Some of these activities are probably good, but maybe God wants to do something great in your life and he can't get you to great because you're stuck in a bunch of good. You're doing a bunch of other things he doesn't really want you to do. He wants you to balance. He wants you to tweak. He wants you to rethink what you're doing so that he can free you up to speak to you in a way he's never spoken to you before because you can't hear him because you're so consumed with all these other things you're doing. So we can be, help you become the person that you were created to be. Like I said earlier, the challenge often comes not because we need to stop sinning, but because we need to radically change how we think and in the process, how we act. It's just, that's huge. Part of sanctification, I think the biggest part, is, is, to, is, to, is to change your, your mind, is to have a change of mind, to transform your mind, to renew your mind. Anytime you're trying to change existing patterns of how the world or your experiences have shaped you, you're gonna, it's going to be difficult. 
because it's part of who you are. I mean, you grew up in a house and your parents shaped you. You went and you were in school and that shaped you. All these different experiences in the world, they've shaped you into the person you are. So it's really difficult sometimes for us just to, just to throw those things off and become a different person. Totally understand it. But you have the Spirit of God living in you, so it can be done. Anatoly Franz said this, All changes, even the most longed for, have their melancholy. For what we leave behind us is a part of ourselves. We must die to one life before, before we can enter another. I want you to say, God can change me. That was pretty good. Let's say on three. One, two, three. Yeah, do you believe that? I mean, you need to believe that. Because I think sometimes, here's the thing. You come here on Sundays, and then you get lied to the other six days of the week half the time. Between you talking to yourself, the enemy speaking to you, and other people speaking lies into your life, sometimes you don't believe that. You think, I am who I am. I'm always going to be this way. I've never been over. Baloney. You are filled with the spirit of the living God. You have genetics, you have environment, and you have the Holy Spirit. And guess which one dominates the Christian's life? If allowed to. The Holy Spirit. You could look at my life and say, well, look at he grew up. Look how he grew up. You know, parents were divorced and this and that. And he grew up with his mom. They were poor. And yet I was in tr- you know, around all the wrong people. And you, you can go on and on and on and on. According to statistics, I should have been in jail. Okay? But I'm not in jail. Why? Because at 17 years old, at the height of my anger and bitterness as a, as a young man, the Holy Spirit snatched me up, separated me, justified me, sanctified me, and said, now we're going to show you who you truly are. We're going to help you become who you truly are. And so I am not the person that the world would say I should have been because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. God can change you. God can change me. The, difficult about what I'm, the difficulty about what I'm talking about this morning is if it's not enough, because I'm not saying it's easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying change is easy. It's difficult. But you have the Spirit of God. You have the, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ living in you. I'm not saying it's easy. And then on top of that, you have the enemy throwing roadblocks in your way. The enemy does not want you to grow. The enemy does not want you to change. The enemy doesn't want to hear anything about sanctification and, and transformation and ongoing process of being made holy. That's the last thing the enemy wants to see happen in your lives because then revival starts in a church. Then revival starts in people's homes. Then families get put back together. There's healing and forgiveness. He doesn't want any of that to happen in your life. He wants you to hold your ground. You hold your ground. Everybody else should change around you. You just stick to your guns. Your dad stuck to his gun. Your mom stuck to her gun. Your grandparents stuck to their guns. And even though your whole world is falling apart, you just stick to your guns. You'll die being, you, you, you'll die being right, but you won't be happy. But it doesn't matter. You just you know, stick to your... And most of that, to tell you the truth, a lot of that is sin in your life. Don't allow the, don't allow the enemy to, to, to put roadblocks. Because that's what's going to happen. The enemy is going to put roadblocks in your way. Storms will come into your life to create a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. Those fears often cause us to, to retreat. We go back. It's like, oh man, I, I, I started moving forward. I started taking a step of change. And then, bam, I got hit. And so I retreated. I moved back. I turned away. I ran. But then what happens if you do that is you get stuck in these same old patterns and there's no change or transformation in your life. 
Because every time you step forward, you get whacked and you just, re- you just retreat. I've told you this before, but I'm going to say it again. When it comes to the armor of God, where is the only place where a Christian is vulnerable? Back. Don't turn your back. Don't retreat. You go forward. You keep moving forward. The enemy is going to throw storms in your life to try to stop you, but you need to keep moving forward because you're going to hear things like, you know, if I change, if I talk to my kids about this and admit that I maybe haven't been handling myself in the right way, even though it's not a sin, I just haven't been doing it right, they're not going to respect me. Lie from the pit of hell. They're going to respect you more. It's the only way I know how to do it. Well, I'll teach you other ways to do it. I'm not sure if I can. Yes, you can. You're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have the resurrection of Christ in you, the power of the resurrection in you. Yes, you can do it. Yes, you can change. Take a deep breath. Still breathing? You can change. If you're still breathing, you can change. God's not finished with you yet. God is not finished with you yet. See, for many people, present pain is better than an unknown future. You're, you're lingering and lounging you know, around in your, in your life because you figure, if I change, man, what have, I don't know what the future is going to look like. So present pain, you know it's not working now, but present pain is better than an unknown future for so many people. See, when you decide to change and you try to change, the enemy is surely going to bring storms, but we shouldn't retreat. We should not retreat. We should soar on wings like eagles because the one who sanctified us will help us walk and not grow weary, will help us, will help us run and not be faint. We just need to know that the one who is in us is stronger than the one who is in the world. Is it going to be difficult? Absolutely. And you're not, I'm not even talking about changing sinful patterns in your life. I'm just talking about changing personality things and tweaking this so you can you can help people around you become the best that they can be it's still going to be hard but don't you back up don't you give up don't you turn around you keep moving forward because the bible is filled with stories of people who allowed fear to keep them from from completing their spiritual journey the bible's filled with those stories people who allowed fear to keep them from, from fulfilling their spiritual journey, from completing their spiritual journey. They were on a journey. They were just about there in the promised land. They could, they could smell it. They could taste it. They were almost there. But fear stopped them from fulfilling and completing their journey. But here's the thing. The Bible is also filled with stories of people who overcame People who are able to overcome. In Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 through 30, one of, my, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, this whole section, reading about Caleb and Joshua. I love Caleb. I loved Caleb and Joshua. It says this, at the end of 40 days, this is where Moses sends the 12 leaders out, okay? He sends the 12 leaders out to go explore the land, and they come back, and this is what happens. It says, at the end of 40 days, they return from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh and the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave, this, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. It's like it's right there. It's right there going from the life we were living before into this life that God is offering us, this transformation, this abundant, full life that we can all enjoy. It's right there. It does flow with milk and honey. We ate of its fruit. It was awesome. But the people who live there are powerful 
And the cities are fortified and very large. You can see them now. Like, I don't know, man. And, and he, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites live in the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And they were crying. You know how they cry? And they said, oh, these people, they're, they're, they were so much bigger than we are. We looked like grasshoppers to them. We felt like grasshoppers. And that's what we looked like to them. Boo-hoo, we shouldn't do it. Fear, fear, fear. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. I have a destiny. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. You are created for a specific purpose. There's a meaning to your life. And God wants you to receive it. He wants you to own it. He wants you to fulfill it. But what's going to stop you from fulfilling it? Fear. Fear. I can't change. I can't do that. I've tried already. It's not working. Blah, 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 blah. You're filled with the spirit of the living God. Go back. Get your sword and get back into the fight. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things. I can make all changes through Christ who gives me strength. Those who chose to let fear guide them lost the opportunity to fulfill their purpose. Caleb and Joshua, on the other hand, remembered the faithfulness of God in the past. They took the life they learned with and they applied those lessons and principles to the life they were living now. They remembered what God was capable of doing, what they saw him do in the past, they, they, lived, they took the life that they learned with and they applied the life they learned with with the life that they're living right now. We can certainly do it. Numbers 14.24 says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, he follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Here's something really cool. Really cool. I don't care, I, don't, I say this in, in not an aggressive way, but I don't care what your family of origin was. I don't care if your father or your mother was, your grandparents, and it, that's not you. And what this is saying is that you, you love God wholeheartedly. You have passion for God. You're going to fight with God. You're going to stand with God wholeheartedly. And you're going to fulfill your purpose in life. And not only that, you're going to cut off that generational sin or whatever habits and whatever else is that it was brought into your life through your past. You're going to cut those things off and you're going to pass on positives to your children. You're, one of the goals for Debbie and myself when we were as parents, we said early on before we had kids, we don't want our children to even understand what we've been through. We don't want them, we, we want them to, we don't want them to have any kind of experience. We want to live a different life. So our kids don't even, read, we don't really, we, we understand what you're saying, mom and dad, but we don't, we don't have that in our hearts. It's not a part of who we are. It's only a part of what you tell us, but it's not a part of who we are. That's what you can do for your children. That's the transformation that can happen in your life. It was that ability to draw from his past knowledge and overcome his fear that set Caleb apart for God's special use. For God's special use. I want you to say this with me. God can still use me. Say that. God can still use One, two, three. God can still use me. It doesn't matter your past. God can still use me. God can still make a difference. God can use me. He can use me. 
We need to decide what kind of life we're going to live. Are we going to live a life without change? Are we going to live a life that's unaltered? Or are we going to make the changes that are necessary? We've got to decide that. Are you just going to keep living the way you're living? Experiencing what you've been experiencing in your family and at work and everywhere else in your own personal life? Is that the, is that the life you choose to live? Or are you going to step up and live the life that God created for you to live? We need to be able to make changes to bring that about. And keep this in mind before you answer what kind of life you're going to live. Keep this in mind. The moment you're through changing, you're through. You no longer live, you just exist. The moment you're through changing, see, this is the hideousness of the enemy. Wants you to think that you're through, you're done. What you've done is to this and to that. Go get the sermon from last week and we'll straighten that out, okay? That's what the enemy wants to do because the moment you're through changing, you're through unacceptable in the life of a believer of Jesus Christ. And if we're, you've got to ask yourself, am, am I going to leave this life with regret, laying on my deathbed as an old man or an old woman, a woman with a life of regret? Are we going to leave this life with regret and miss the opportunity to soar? Or are we going to live every single day of our lives with passion, waiting with anticipation to stand before the one who sanctified us And hear those beautiful words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're striving to become. We stand before God and we hear our Lord and Savior say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God is not finished with you yet. God is not finished with me yet. Those who think they know me, oh, I know him. He's just whatever. You think you know me? You think you have me pegged? Not so fast. Not so fast, not so fast. Some of my best days, some of, I'm 50 years old, and some of my best days are yet to come. Some of your best days are yet to come. For some of you, you're just getting started. You're just getting started. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Some of you are just getting started. You're like Caleb. You're like Caleb. I want you to turn to the person to your right and I want you to look at them and I want you to say this with sincerity. I want you to act it out. I want you to say, man, you remind me of Caleb. Say it like that. You remind me of Caleb. Go ahead and tell each other. I don't hear any real, I mean, I, I, you remind me of Caleb. I don't know why I'm saying this to you. I just woke up, but you remind me, you remind me of somebody. Now I want you to say, you, you, turn, say, you man, you, you remind me, even say man, man, you're, or, you remind me of Caleb. Say it again. Yeah, because, because here's Caleb. Caleb was, just, Caleb was just getting started, man. He was just getting started. This is what it says in Joshua 14, 10 and 11. It says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert because they were in fear. So here I am today, 85 years old, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. I love it. Some of you are just getting started, man. 85, Moses, I mean, uh, Caleb says, I'm, oh, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Maybe a little sore on my back, whatever else, but I'm still ready to fight. Give me a sword. Let me pray for people. Whatever it is that God has called you and gifted you to do, you can still do it. You're just getting started if you're taking breaths right now. Some of you are just getting started. 
We have been sanctified. We have been justified. We have been sanctified. We have been set apart for God's use, for God's use, being made holy in his sight. And this morning, as we close and we go into our time of communion, I want, to res- I want that truth to resonate in your hearts. I want you to own that truth as we go into this time of communion. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As I read through this, I want you to listen to these words, but I, I want to continue in this process. So let's just, just listen to these words for right now. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, uh, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats of the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself. That's what you want to do this morning. A person, a man or a woman, ought to examine themselves before they eat and drink of the, of the bread and the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. We need change. We need transformation. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want you to bow your heads, but I don't want you to stop listening. This is really important. We're not finished here. I want you to bow your heads, but I really want you to concentrate. I'll pray after. I'll pray for the bread. I'll pray for the cup during this process. I'm going to pray for the bread. I'm going to pray for the cup. And after I'm finished, you can, you can come and receive the bread and the cup as the Spirit leads you. You don't have to wait for anybody else. So I'm going to pray. After I'm done praying, you can go in the back and the cups are back there and the bread is back there. And you can take it, come back to your seat, come up here and pray whatever you'd like. You don't have to wait for anybody else. You can have communion in our church. You can take communion in our church. You don't have to be a member here as long as you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. So you're welcome to take communion with us this morning. You're just as welcome to sit quietly in your chair. No one will know the difference, so don't feel uncomfortable. If you're new and you just don't know, you're a little uncomfortable, just sit there. It's totally fine. No one's going to know the difference. Just feel comfortable. But before we take communion, here's what I want you to do. I want you to concentrate on what I'm saying now. Before we take communion, I want you to ask God to help you change. What is it you need to change in your life? Maybe it's how you're relating to other people. Maybe you need to talk to your children after the service. And you just need to tell them, this is not a big sin in your life. You just need to say to them that, that you're, doing, you're doing what you're doing because it's all you've ever known. It's, it's the way you were taught. But you're going to try to change. You're going to try to adapt and change a little bit because you love them and you want them to, to grow and to become more like Jesus. Maybe you need to ask someone to forgive you for the way you've communicated in the past. Maybe in this room, maybe you just need to, to talk to someone about how you communicated in the past. It's, it's been lingering. You're kind of letting it go. Don't let it go. Talk to them. Maybe you need to forgive someone. You need to leave the past in the past and move on. 
So forgive them even this morning and then set up a time to sit down with them in love and resolve your differences. My friends, greater is he that is in you than those differences that you're holding on to in your heart. And listen, if someone is trying to change, they come to you and they say, I'm going to try to change. I'm going to try to adapt. I'm going to try to to balance how I do things. When someone comes to you and, and says they're going to try to change, give them time to change. Change is hard. It takes effort. So be patient and forgiving when they fall short in the process. Be patient and forgiving when they fall short. Change takes time. Encourage them. Don't discourage them. Put down the stone and offer a hand. Show them how much you appreciate you sitting down, them sitting down and talking to you. Communion is a reminder of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And the love that he calls us to have for each other. Let's honor him this morning. Let's honor him. So I'm going to pray now. When I'm finished praying, you can get up, you can go to the back, you can take the bread and the cup, you can come and sit back down, you can come up front, you can pray up here, whatever you'd like to do. Let the Spirit lead you. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he was willing to give himself, sacrifice his body on the cross for us that we can be justified, that all our sins can be wiped away, that we can go through transformation because of what you're doing in our lives. Father, we thank you for the cup which represents Jesus' blood shed for us, which covers us from all of our sin, that we could be sanctified, that we can constantly change. Lord God, that we can, that we can be brought into your presence because of what Christ has done on our behalf. We want to remember that. We want to thank you for it. And Father, we want to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. May this be our spiritual act of worship this morning. We love you, we praise you, and we pray that you would help us, Lord God, to fulfill the commitments that we've made this morning in our hearts and before you. In Jesus' name, amen. We can be here this morning and be called your children, to be adopted into your family. And to know that no matter where we are in our lives right now, we don't have to stay there. That we can change. That you'll transform us. Not through our own power. Not because of what we're capable of doing, but because of what you're capable of doing through us. Use us, we pray. Change us, we pray. Help us to be the best that we can be in every area of our lives. So that we can encourage others to be their best and build your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a beautiful week.